0: My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. ...has trouble getting pregnant or sustaining a pregnancy, according to the CDC. Wow, one in eight. That's a lot. Roughly one-third of infertility is attributed to a partner with a vulva, and one-third is attributed to a partner with a penis. The other third involves challenges in both partners or remains unexplained. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and I'm so thrilled to share with you today an interview with Simone Tai. I met Simone last year when we were both speakers at a TEDx Women event in Beverly Hills, and her talk was one of my favorites, so powerful. Some years ago, she was leading a life that probably seemed pretty. Perfect and glamorous from the outside. You know, she'd built this successful career as a TV producer and showrunner, met and married her wonderful husband, Sean, and the two of them had moved from the UK to LA to carry on their work and start a family. Few people knew what they were struggling with along this um, until one day, Simone very bravely opened up. Her story is beautiful and courageous and important. I recently joined Simone at her home to talk about her experiences with infertility and IVF and how all of it has affected her relationship with her husband. You can find her TEDx talk on a blog she runs with her awesome friend Cam. It's called Bubbles and Bumps, bubblesandbumps.com. I'll share a link on the follow-up blog for this episode as well, which you'll be able to find at augustmclaughlin.com forward slash IVF. While you're there, I hope you'll sign up for monthly email updates from me. I would love to have you part of my personal posse. Today's episode is sponsored by TalkSpace, an online therapy platform. I highly recommend if you're struggling with infertility or going through IVF treatments or could use guidance and support about any difficult issue that you're grappling with. It's kind of like having therapy in your pocket. You chat with a qualified therapist by text, audio, or video message, and they also have Skype options. You can do it for a month. You can do it continually. It is so, so wonderful. And you can literally start within a couple of days. Like you sign up, you fill out some you know initial forms. It's very personalized and it doesn't feel robotic, if you know what I mean. It feels like real therapy um, because I think it is. You can save $30 off your first month and support Girl Boner Radio at the same time by using this link, Talkspace.com forward slash boner. Talkspace.com slash boner. Speaking of therapy, we will have our very own Dr. Megan Fleming joining in later to share thoughts on rekindling desire and getting that sexy fun back after either IVF treatment or having a baby, or in this listener's case, both. First, here is my chat with the brilliant Simone Tai. So, would you start by just sharing? First, did you always want to be a mom? When did you realize you wanted to be a mother?
2: You know, it's fu- it's quite funny. I feel like I'm the opposite to um, a lot of women who um, who are trying to be have, trying to be a mom. I, it, it took me a long time. I, I spent. Um, I t- it took me a long time because I definitely felt growing up a a fear of having a fear of being pregnant, a fear of having a baby at a young age. And, and and I understand that that was kind of you know a way of trying to prevent like teenage pregnancy and so stuff. It was kind of like the way you talk about do not, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant. so It was it was definitely oh I don't want to do this now. And but yeah, I never fa- I generally had some girlfriends who were more. Mat- I felt they were more maternal than me and they were like oh it'd be so nice to have a baby and i was like really you know and i found it kind of like a very alien thing and and a very um you know this strange process but i thought one day what will happen is i'll start to have those feelings where i really would, like want to have a baby so i just imagined it would come one day and i just put it down to being young and wanting to have a career and wanting to have you know, independence was probably my most important uh, priority. And, you know, I think it's because my mum, she definitely struggled. You know, she had three kids, and it was tough for her. Um, you know, and she really wanted me to have the best opportunities in life and never to rely on anyone and, you know, if I, you know, God forbid was in a relationship had children and, and this is catastrophizing now but, and the relationship broke down, it's that to know that no matter what happened, we, I could support that, our fan my family. But yes, yeah, so going back to your question, um, it wasn't something that I was, I was not never very, mater- very maternal and then it was more like once we got married, we talked about the idea of it and it felt it felt natural and it felt kind of exciting and you know i definitely felt yeah this is something that i can i'm with some it's being with the person who i imagined having a childhood as well mm. finally met someone who i thought oh my gosh you make an amazing dad mm. and I just Saw him and, and the family situation in a very different way. Were you already working as a TV producer when you met him? So we were living in London. Okay. Um, so we met. Oh gosh, we've been together. We was trying to work out the day. It felt like it felt like around twelve years ago we must have met. Um, no, yes, maybe longer. Can't. <laughs> it was a long time. We yeah. were both working as TV producers. We um we were working at the same same company on different TV shows. And yeah, we met at a work Christmas party. <laughs> so, so cliche. And we, we, and but we didn't get together for at least a few years later. Actually, um, we ended up working on the same show, and we, you know, we had an attraction for each other. But then we, when we really got to know each other, that was like, wow, you know, it was it was sparks flying. Yeah, you we still t- seem to be sparky together. Yeah, yeah,
0: we try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah no, we So, when did you? have the conversation was it soon after you met did he ask you like do you want to have kids
2: yeah we we both were very much one day we didn't we weren't we had the sort of we knew we loved each other and we knew we wanted to be together and then it was like and one day we'll have you know we'll have a family but it was never We didn't sort of fantasize about it we just were so in you know in the moment and it took us we were together maybe five five years before we even got engaged so we kind of were it wasn't a rush for us and it wasn't a rush to have a family and we just thought we'll get married we'll be you Know our sort of happy couple do the you know do our marriage thing and then we'll start to and then because it'll happen first time anyway so we just <laughs> plan this very soon, <laughs> you know, with, with our jobs and we were like you know we still felt very young in in work and te- working in TV is is a tough you know it's a tough industry and you you're very you spend a lot of hours on set or on location and, and it, it it you know a lot not a lot of my friends were having babies so it was very And I think just also generationally, um, you know, my parents were having kids a lot younger and my generation, no one was having a child until like late, early 30s, late 20s. So that was sort of in my mind.
0: Yeah. I think location too, like in the Midwest, people still tend to have kids earlier Mm -hmm. than bigger cities, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And so was there an aha moment? Like, I'm
2: ready. It was more. Um, there was a couple of things happened. We we were married, so I definitely feel like that sort of stability in my core was great. And, and my job was, you know, I was doing well and I was earning a good income. So it was almost like these little bit boxes were being ticks for me. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm I'm at a place where I imagine that I'd feel secure enough to be able to do this. And then we just talked about it more, and then we we got excited about the idea of it more. And then it was kind of like, okay, should we should we like stop the contraception now? And it was like, okay, let's do it. And then you know, it was like, oh, it didn't we didn't it didn't happen straight away. <laughs> it was a, honestly, I feel, I feel like we were so surprised that it didn't happen the first time. Yeah. And and then it was like, okay, maybe second time, you know, maybe, or maybe third. And then and then it was sort of like, yeah. That, so we we definitely started to feel. This we put this picture in our minds about having a family and how exciting it could be. And, yeah, we're kind of... You know, there's still always a bit of hesitation. Are we really ready? Yeah, yeah, we're ready, we're ready, yeah, we can yeah. do this. So it, it did start to... We, it was fueling a a, pic, a picture
0: and a fantasy. Yeah. And at what point did you start to get concerned that,
2: well, why why isn't it happening? Mm. So we, you know, we, we did have another friend who'd been through IVF and... I mean, we just... We never actually... I think it took us a long time to even comprehend that we would have troubles. And we just um, didn't... I just never imagined that I'd be going through this process. And we... It took... So we did... um, yeah, it was just after trying and trying and trying. And then someone suggested, you you, why don't you get checked out? Why don't you just, you know, go and get the test and see, so, see what the situation is? So he said, well, it can't hurt. And if there's something a little bit off or we'll fixing it, yeah, they can just fix it. It'll be fine. And, and if we need IVF or whatever, then that will be the treatment and it will, that will work. And so, yeah, we went and we just both started getting checked out. And it was it's a really slow process in London at, on the NHS. Um, you know, you, it's a very long wait, you uh, have to do sort of the odd test, and you wait a few months, and then you do the next test, so it's never, let's do them all, so we had to go, but, you know, we kept trying as we were being, as all the tests were happening, and then one day, one test result came back, and the doctor was like, okay, well, your hormones and everything seem fine, but there's a sp- there is a sperm morphology issue. So we, um, which means the um, abnormalities in the sperm. So they said there's, there's more, um, it's, it's the shape of them. There's, a, there's more abnormalities than we would uh, ideally like. So therefore we think this is the problem and you should go straight to IVF and have ICSI where they're gonna pull out the good looking sperm and inject it into your egg and then the problem solved, kind yeah. of. That was, I was like, okay, okay, fine. there's other like all this stuff you've never heard of before. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. And there's this, so you, then you're, you know, all these new words, morphology, and you're like, what is this? And, and yeah, so you really start going, I was like, we should have paid attention in biology class.
0: <laughs> you know, was, if they told those biology lessons in the context of stories of real people, we probably
2: remember them. Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. Not all these sort of alien words. and Yeah. It would be... This is a really good idea. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So the process, you went through these tests. Was the testing painful? Was it like just exams or did they have to take blood?
2: Yeah. It was blood, blood, a lot of... Blood, yeah. Needles and blood being taken from me. They did... Um, so that was hormone tests. And from my, they did a, um, a scan, so they did like a, an internal scan with um, like an ultrasound wand, like a dildo yeah. <laughs> so it was um, yeah, they, they, they have a quick look around just to sort of check if everything's okay, then they I mean, there's, there is about oh, so many tests, but the big ones they look out for is, they're trying to see how um, your egg reserve, so they can tell that from, from a hormone they can tell how roughly if, you, if you're diminishing ovarian reserve or if you, um, they can't really tell egg quality at that state it's a quite a difficult, they can't just pull out an egg and go oh your egg your quality isn't great but if you've got lower reserve that's a big red flag for them um, and every woman has a you can, be, you can be 20 years old and then your reserve might be a lot smaller than you know, and a 40 year old woman can have, a, a, you know just everyone is different <sighs> So that, that, that was one test. Another test was to see if my tubes were clear. So they, they look for blockages. And mm. They normally inject, they sort of squirt water through it and they'll, do a, they'll take a scan as they're doing this and they'll be like, okay, yeah, we can see the water going through and they're like, yeah, no blockages, that's all fine. Could you feel that? Yeah, that one was painful. That was actually, for me, the one that I really remember. And I was... Uh, I didn't think... It, I was like, water being squirted inside it can't be that bad. It was... Mm. Uh, it was... Because I think the cramps... You know, you, you, you have like a reaction to what... Something's happening, something strange happening in my body. And I, I was... Um, in a lot of pain, and I and you know, I kind of thought, God, I wish I'd taken a painkiller before. Did they tell
0: you it would be painful,
2: or might they sort of said, Oh, yeah, it could be painful, usually they say, like, it's possible you might feel mild discomfort, you might have some cramping, cramping. yeah. And to me, I'm like, Oh, cramping, I can manage cramps every month, yeah. But I was my. Luckily though, my my friend did come with me, and she had been through it, and she she did say, you know, I actually think I did I did take like a mild painkiller, but after they saw my reaction to it, they were like, oh, you should either be you know sedated or something because it was it was Aww. yeah, it was kind of I almost fainted. It was oh, wow. that yeah, it wasn't great. But that test and there's another one called the HSG, which is they use ink to squirt through. It's two, it's like two levels of tests. The water one really is kind of like you'll get a blurry vision of. Oh yes, your tubes are clear. The ink one is almost like a proper X-ray, and they'll get they'll get outlines of your tubes. They'll get a shape of your uterus. They're really getting detailed. And I never had that one until years and years later. And I realized if she, found, I realized that was one of the first tests they should have done for me. They should have done that test because they found. Um, i had a condition called a septate uterus which is so it's quite a long story but anyway it's um a layer of it's like they say it's like a layer of cartilage on in in your in your uterus and you're born with it and what it does is when an embryo tries to implant even if it's a good one there's no blood supply so it can't grow so it might grow a little bit and then so the rate of miscarriage is really high so i didn't find that until having been through all this treatment and IVF um, and blah, blah, blah. so we think that was probably one of the one of the thing one of the issues yeah. but um so yeah going back all the tests for, and then yeah blood and then and then you'd have to have it at a certain time in the month because they need to check that your hormone levels are doing what they should at that at that time and that was it really and my husband he just gave some sperm <laughs> <laughs> Of the te- TEDx talk was so funny. You're like my poor husband had to go into a room alone
0: and look at dirty magazine. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Was that all he had to do? That's it. What? That's it. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I know, because they, they're like, well, we just, you know, you can have some pleasure in a nice room and, and give us your sample. Um, if only be- you could have just had your vibrator in a book. Oh so. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> That one
0: fuck. And so all these different tests, you finally did realize that mm. IVF seemed like the best option. Was yeah. that did they recommend it to you or how did that kind yeah. of come about?
2: The conversation was, um, the sperm test came back, the doctor said the morphology levels are um I think that it's technically, hard. I think it's a lower number, but it meant there was more abnormalities. So he basically just said, yeah, you should do IVF and you, and you should do ICSI, and that was it. And it was kinda of like, whoa, okay. Wow. Straight to it. No other options, just like, here's what you do. Yeah. And what's ICSI? So ICSI is when they take, they pull out by eye the, the, the strong looking sperm and inject it into the egg. Because they think that, and it's interesting, because now I realise that even though you can tell if it might it might look good by eye, but there's also a layer of um, DNA fragmentation which they again had not tested for, um, and you can't tell by eye if there's if there's DNA problems, but you can um, you can have that test done separately. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. And what did they tell you as far as? The success rate
2: and what mm. to expect from these. Yeah, units. it's funny they they didn't really say so much about success rates. And to be honest, at the time we kind of were like, oh, our friend did it, it worked, and maybe I'd met one other the or heard about it on the news, you know, oh IVF, you make a baby. So I didn't. I mean, I sort of heard the success rates. Someone who was like, oh, it's only kind of thirty percent or something, but it never really never just, I never kind of processed it, I just felt that, I just thought it was going to work, I was yeah. like, it's going to work, it's going to work, we're not going to be, because like, we're not, you know, we're still youngish, we, I was 32, 33 at the time. Which is like kind of prime, right? Yeah, you know, and, and again, you know, my ex may have not been as good quality, um, but it's, it was, yeah, we just felt that... It, it would be fine. It, well, now that, be I, medicine.
0: now it that I think about it, the only times I've heard someone say we did IVF was their children are there. Yeah. I've never heard someone say I did IVF, it didn't work. Yeah, yeah. Because of the silence you talked about.
2: Yeah, yeah. it is. It's, and, and it's funny. I think even the, the courage that I had to talk openly about it also came from this deep belief that one day it would work so it even though it's uncomfortable we'll get beyond that uncomfortableness one day and one day it will happen i just you know, if I would sat and thought, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to do all this treatment for all these years, and da and it's not going to work," and I'm telling everyone about it, I think that would have stopped me from doing it. Was you
0: know? this from telling people on Facebook, or were you talking
2: about the TEDx talk? Um, yeah, for the Facebook one was the first one because that was when we, uh, like me, I we um, told it was all, like all our friends, you know, all our friends and, and family and people who, you know, we we, we told a, cl- a close number of people when we when we were going through that first treatment we just you know just a handful and the thing is it you know we did get pregnant from the first one we were like great this is all going to plan it's all fine and and then we and so we were in London at the time for this as well and we were about to move to LA and we'd just done the treatment and we just got positive and we were moving to LA maybe in the next month or two and the week before we were flying, we go in for our heart- the eight-week scan for to see the heartbeat because everything was kind and of. And you good. felt
0: confident at that point. Yeah,
2: I felt I felt I had you know symptoms. I felt pregnant. We knew that you know I had a positive. Um, we just did. We just did a home test. We didn't go here once you sort of do. I think the system's very different. You have to you don't do a home test; you do a blood test because then they need to watch your hCG lev, um, hCG levels. So we did the home test, and yeah, we we just didn't imagine that anything could go wrong. It was like this is all going to be fine, and in you know nine months time we're going to have this baby, and and we were thinking of names, and it was just this then you building up this image, even this getting stronger and stronger, this dream and this world that's going to happen. And then, yeah, we go over the scan and then she just literally just, like, puts her hand on my knee and then looks at me and says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry there's no heartbeat. Like that. And, and I was like, oh, what, like, you mean now? Maybe we should come back in a week's time. And, and it was like, it was kind of like, no, no. But so that in my head, I was like, what, what, what? She's sorry, she's put her hand on my knee. That means this is, this is not happening. So I was like, so... What what do I do? What what, what happens now? And she like "Well, your body is gonna have a miscarriage, um, but it, it's, it's like she said, the baby stop growing, but your body doesn't realize it yet." So she said, "What normally happens is that you're at some point in the next week or two weeks, you will have your body will flush, you know, have mm-hmm. have the miscarriage, and then if not." Then you need to go for a DNC. So they need to mm-hmm. like because it can um, infection and it can sure. be problems. So so i was just like oh my gosh. So my body and so then I'm like this is like ticking clock of what's when is this going to happen and when is this you know do we Did go you have home? a sense
0: of what a miscarriage would feel like?
2: No, because I I hadn't had a miscarriage. I've only you see them in the movies and TV, yeah. and all you see is just. There's blood in that. Yes, yeah, and I remember a friend talking to me about it once, and and I was like, what, what actually happens, you know? Because I and I was like, I don't want to you know, pry and stuff, but it's, you know, do you do you see something? And and she was like, you know, it's even though it's small, there's a lot of a lot of tissue, and a, you know, you can see, you know, and it, yeah, it can feel like, oh my gosh, I, you know, you can see a little, you know, little shape. Mm-hmm. So okay. yeah, I didn't I didn't really know what to expect and. And then you know, and then I was googling the hell out of it, going, what? "What's going to happen to me now?" And and we you know, knew we were moving to America, and we were flying. But the one thing the doctor said was, "If you don't have insurance when you land on that, you get on that plane, you need to make sure you've got insurance." And I'm like, "Why should?" Because if you have a miscarriage on the plane, and, or you get there and some some complications, and you don't have insurance, you say it could go, you know, really pear shaped. So then we were stressing about that, and I was. You know and then so we come home we're really devastated and then i'm just like oh my gosh you know just i've got this in my head i still got this baby little tiny baby inside me but i'm like it's not going anywhere and then i read stories about people who say oh you know, make sure you get a second checkup because sometimes it can be a bit slower you know they can get the dates well you can't really get dates wrong with ivf but they say sometimes it can be a bit so so then i'm like oh. I need to make sure that, that you know, so I did have another scan later and it was That's still like the heartbeat wasn't missed no, or something. It was yeah, yeah exactly. So mm. it was it was still not there. So we knew we were like, okay, it's gonna happen. Um, anyway, fly to America, still no still nothing happens. I'm like, I'm going for a run, I'm like, maybe, maybe this will help get everything flowing, and because at this point now I'm just like, I just want to move on, and, and now I'm just waiting for this horrible thing to happen. Didn't happen. So it must have been a good couple, good, good, two or three weeks. I uh, went for acupuncture. I drank these disgusting Chinese herbs. Because I was like, I just want to help the process. Nothing worked. And then and then I met a doctor and she was like, okay, we'll, we'll do the D&C. So I did, it, I did it. And then it was kind of like, okay, now we can grieve more as well. We can move on. Yeah.
0: Mm. And I love that you talked about, you've talked about the grief, mm. which... I was reading an article about a woman who had a miscarriage and didn't feel allowed to grieve. Mm. She said that it was hard because you know, because it's not talked about. People don't really realize how deep the grief can go. Mm. And you said in your your TEDx talk you hadn't realized how much grief you could feel
2: mm.
0: for this mm. this baby yeah. that that was yeah, it was You didn't know yet and was so early, but
2: totally. Yeah, cuz I think also growing up if I'd ever heard of a miscarriage or something, like, I had no comprehension of how it could, because I'm like, well, it's not losing like a, a family member, and and but it it's. It, I think the only way I can really know how to explain it now, having been on both sides of the coin and feeling, well, I don't understand how 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 it came. I knew it for, and I knew that it was painful, but I didn't understand how it was painful, and so going through it it was definitely going f- uh, yes hormones and everything else does triple your emotional the way you feel but it's you grieving the loss of this this family that you that you had in your it, it's it's the imagination that's so strong this feeling and this feeling of you wanting something so badly and personalizing it by thinking of baby names and stuff that dream in your head that's what you're grieving as well it's like grieving the future yeah of. yeah like okay now this is not everything that we'd got excited about that was happening is not going to happen that way anymore but you still hold on to the hope that well maybe it can you know maybe we can get there eventually yeah. um and yeah just. And the shock of it as well, the shock of that all happening was so unexpected. Yeah. Mm.
0: yeah. Did you have emotional support with,
2: you know, like the family, the our immediate parents, we told them and they were really sweet and kind, you know, very kind. And, and me and my husband just came home that day and we lay on the sofa and we just cried and cried like together, you know, we just were like, oh my gosh, this is so horrible. Mm. Um, so we, we were, we definitely had support with each other. I don't think we'd even start. Going to counselling at that point, um, but we we then were sort of like, okay, um, we did actually did a bit of one on one stuff, and the the more I've got into this world, I'm like therapy, counsel, everything is just made a world of difference, so much, so helpful. Um, so yeah, we we had a, a, a yeah, we, did, we definitely started to do more of it as 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 we got on, and yeah, so when you're
0: doctors or your new doctors, I guess, in LA at that point knew that you'd had, you know, that the first pregnancy didn't come into fruition. Did they make any adjustments? Did they say, oh, well, then that means we
2: should change the course or how do they respond to that? Yeah. So we met a new doctor here, um, who came as a recommendation and we really liked him and he, yeah, they, what typically happens is they take all your records and every detail that's been uh, you know re- documented about specific medicine you talk and so then they they analyzed that process um they actually f- weren't didn't want to change it too much because they were like actually it worked it and they felt that it was just an non unhe- like chromosomally or there was it was just an unhealthy embryo so it wasn't that they they felt like it implanted. So there were signs for them that went, "Oh, this is all good news." So they were optimistic, a lot. They were yeah. so optimistic, yeah. and they just felt, "Oh, you know what? It, it it happens a lot, and it's just you know nature's way of 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 stopping something that would potentially be more unhealthy." Or you know, they they just put it down to a genetic, probably a genetic thing. or, just, you know, there's an unhealthy element to this. Yeah,
0: Embraer. yeah, yeah, and so you decided to go forward. Yeah, and with high hopes.
2: Yeah, totally. Because we were like, okay, well, the, the probably is just um, bad luck. We just had bad, you know, the quality wasn't great. So we we had a break from it. We because we sort of because ju- we just moved out here. It was so much going on, and we was, you know, we were kind of trying to. Find our home here and everything. So we gave that gave it a break, and then when we were feeling strong enough again, we said okay, well, we, and the doctors will be better out here, surely. You know, we were like, <laughs> you know, it's LA; they're gonna have like the best medicine ever. <laughs> so we met this new doctor, and we did it all again. And I think they they definitely tweaked a few things. They, the NHS, um, the impression I sort of got was they will do a kind of cookie cutter treatment so the treatment that works for most people they'll just give it to everyone ah with and and now i realize that actually everyone every person should be tailored to whatever their body however their body is reacting um and and actually you really should be finding out what the cause is
0: first yeah and
2: you know, and even though they back then thought, oh, the morphology is the reason, I feel like we we were led to believe, okay, that's the reason, we're going to fix it with this. But then there were other tests that we should have done that would have revealed a lot like the more. Like right? Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. And so the actual treatment for you, I know you said you received like boxes of medicine. Mm. Was it injections that you gave yourself every day?
2: Yeah. So they, uh, it, was, it was surreal, like that day the bo- box of medicines turns up at your doorstep and it's this, this huge box and you're thinking oh my lord, I, I did not, ex- am I going to be putting all this inside my body and, and the fear of injecting yourself alone, that is a huge thing to go through because you're just like oh gosh and I remember that first injection, I'm, I'm in the kitchen. No one told me to numb myself with eyes as well, which is like the thing you know. Like why I didn't even think about it. I'm just like going they didn't. I thought that they would like show you the first time. They they, t- they give you a very quick lesson. So you in the clinic and like okay, you do that, and you don't remember any of it because you're just like going on? yeah. So I remember going on YouTube and trying to watch somebody doing it to remind me and make sure I didn't get it wrong and put the wrong medicine in the tube. So it, I just remember sitting there for almost, it felt like half an hour holding this injection and holding like pinching my stomach and just being like, it was and i, I described it like holding a wasp that I know is going to st- and bring it to my stomach and know it's going to sting me, you know, and I'm like, I was just like I can't do it, so we, and then eventually I just was like slowly squ- squishing it in, but yeah the first one was always, it was the worst and, and then I you know, bit by bit, I just started to get used to it. And then by the end, I was kind of like, at one point I had to inject in the car because I was on my way somewhere and I had to do it at a specific time. And I was like, I was, I was a professional.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow, wow. So you ended up having three pregnancies?
2: Yeah, we had that. So that was the first one, there was the miss miscarriage. We had, and then beyond that, we had two chemical pregnancies which is um you so implantation happens so when you do a po- pregnancy test it's positive and then when and you, you can have high hcg so you release everything say, yep there's an implantation there's an embryo here you're pregnant and then you go back a week um two days later and then the numbers start to drop and it shows that there's the the embryo is not growing anymore mm. so you you're it's either going to release or uh, chemical pregnancy they say it's too early to be called a miscarriage because it's literally just implanted, and then it, and it stops growing straight so away. So you don't
0: have as many symptoms, and, yeah. and it's really common, right, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and
2: a lot of women would never know they're having a chemical pregnancy because you just sort of feel like, oh, my period's probably came earlier, and I'm a bit more crampy, or, or my boobs are a little bit you know, sensitive. That's it. You wouldn't know, only because, you know, we'd have the treatment, and then the pregnancy. And you were tracking it we're all the time. And following it step by step. Yeah. yeah. So
0: was it kind of always on your mind The whole thing. Like, did you feel like no matter where you were, you're at work? Were you thinking like, "Where's my cycle? Am
2: I pregnant? Have I done my medicine? Have you?" Uh, Yeah, it was always there. You know, it's because you. You. It's like learning a whole new language. So you're starting to you're immersing yourself into this new world, learning new things, wanting to give yourself the best chance when it goes wrong you're like oh my god maybe maybe I could do something better to help this process maybe I'm not eating properly maybe I should or maybe I'm exercising too much or maybe so you then scouring for clues as to what you can do to help control the thing that's so out of your control
0: and there's probably so much online with I imagine very different views Mm. was it hard to sort through like one person says this is the diet and one person
2: says you have to try this exercise Mm. And it is, yeah, it's just, it's a mountain of information and it is overwhelming. And you, the tough thing is, I feel like some people will go through a pro, you know, IVF or a treatment or fertility and they might have maybe this one time adjusted something in their diet and they get pregnant and they believe that that was the reason but, it, you know, that might not be the reason. And they're kind of saying to everyone, hey, you should do this because it worked for me and I got pregnant. And, you know, I always try to, when I'm writing about my experiences, I'm always just like, this is how I'm trying or that I'm going through this. And it's all about, it's my personal experience. I'm not going to be like, hey, you should do this because, I mean, obviously I am not, not I haven't had a healthy pregnancy yet. But it's, you know, i always very conscious of not um, being Teachery. <laughs> yeah. No, I so respect that and appreciate it because I
0: think that can be really damaging to to say, this is the way and yeah. everyone needs to follow me. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I see why it's easy if you think it's what works for you. But it's so important to know, like you said, every person's body is so different. Mm-hmm. And I think also, it, this journey must affect people's relationships differently too mm. although i know it's very common to feel a level of stress or that you know your physical intimacy like sex becomes this mechanical thing mm. that you have to do at certain times and yeah.
2: and how did all of this affect your relationship yeah so time? we definitely were in the beginning it was all fun and games and then it you know then it gets serious and then you 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 yeah you're charting your take you know measuring and tracking and yeah the whole sort of getting all the ovulation sticks in and being like okay it's ovulation time and doing it again and again and again and it it, you know eventually you start to get into this pattern of oh sex isn't spontaneous anymore anymore we you know we have to make sure it happens there this time and you know even like we both be getting ready for work and be like oh we just got to get a quickie in to make sure that we've, you know, we've do, we've we've, got, we've kind of hit those the three day window of ovulation, and then, so yeah, it, it definitely became more mechanical. We. Um, you know, and we were just kind of like, well, this is, this is the job. This is our job. We've just got to make sure that we do it's it. it's temporary, yeah. right? Yeah. At least yeah. you know, like, this is yeah. what we have to do now. It's not fun.
0: Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. And we can have fun sex at the times, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> we just try to make the most of it. Were there things that helped with, with all of that, like um, in the midst of it? Well...
2: I think that... You know, also the hard thing is, I think, we, because we were trying so hard, then... We were both kind of looking at each other like, "Oh, you should be doing more. You should taking more supplements. You shouldn't be you know, with all this shudding things start happening. Or oh, maybe you shouldn't drink." So then I, I you know, I went through a phase of not drinking at all, and he also did the same. And you know, we were pulling back on everything to try and try so hard. Then it became you know, there is a bit of a blame game going on as well, you know, underneath, or you're like is it me, is it you, are you if if I have a drink, am I like not caring as much about this process, so it's not like we could be like, oh let's go and get drunk and have wild sex, because we were like, we weren't drinking, we are being serious about this, so that was an added layer of of toughness with it Um, did anything help? Um, you know, it was I think it's just being around. I, th- I think talk, start again talking to friends about it, being talking to people who've gone through it, who knew what it was like, and and I, I, I no, know, knowing there were people who've gone through it and survived it and like got to the other side, and you know, yeah, that, yeah, that was
0: important. And did that start with you shared? In your talk about opening up
2: online could you yeah. tell us about that experience and yeah. kind of what prompted it so we it's we'd moved here we were about to start ivf again and cam and i actually uh what happened oh yes, yeah, so we were about to do ivf again and i sorry backtrack we just moved to la And I wasn't allowed to work at the time because I didn't have a visa. I was um, on my husband's visa, so I hadn't got to go through that whole process. And I was kind of here in this new place, didn't really know a lot of people. Um, I didn't in London. My life in London was like very private. I didn't want anyone to work in work to know I was going through this because a in TV you sort of felt, I felt like if people thought I was trying to get pregnant that they would look at me differently or I mean, like you can't possibly take your job seriously exactly so if you're sad. going to be off doing injections all the time how can you be doing a good enough job so I dealt not no one at work and and, and and I never felt like I would have this moment of telling everyone but coming here there was something about coming here and feeling like well it doesn't matter now because I'm not you know I'm not doing that job anymore and, and it doesn't matter if people judge me and it doesn't matter if you know what anyone thinks I, I just got, got to the point where I was like I don't really care what people think of, of, about this which I did before and yeah I was it, it was it was funny I think it was like a build up of emotion I was kind of like right I'm sick of this I just want to tell people and I want everyone to know that it happens and, and I'm sure there are lots of people out there who it's, it's happening to them as well and yeah, maybe we can talk about it, you know? Did you tell your husband, I'm going to put this on Facebook. Yeah, I, I said to him, I've been talking about it for a while and we, oh yeah, and at the same time we started writing, me and Cam started writing the blog because she was going through IVF as well for the first time. So I was kind of teaching her what I'd been through or, to, you know, showing her what kind of can happen and giving being her support and like her coach in a way and we then started writing the blog so but we were kind of you know you didn't really we didn't really feel like many people were reading it just a couple of people and so at that time i was like well if i'm going to write about this and i'm going to be open i might as well just share this on facebook and really go for it and yeah i wrote i wrote just this little story about this is what we're going through um I'm just, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like have a, this is my coming out story. <laughs> and um and I remember there's just that feeling of, oh my God, am I gonna, am I really gonna post this and tell everyone? And I was terrified and I was, I was literally shaking as I clicked post. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, like everyone knows now. And I like closed the computer and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And then, and then all of a sudden, yeah, all these beat. The, my phone starts pinging and pinging. Messages start coming in, and I, bro- I just cried. And cried and people were so kind and lovely, and like, oh my gosh, you know, I didn't you really go through this? I'm going through this. I. So many people kept coming to me and saying, "I'm doing it. I'm exactly the same thing." How did that feel? The release I had from a getting it out there, and how kind people were, and like. I, I don't know what I thought they would think of me. I, in my head, I was like, "Oh, they're gonna think less of me or something." I don't, I don't know why I thought all those things, but just having the validation that yeah, I'm not this weird alien going through this strange thing that no one else knows anything about was, it, it, it was so healing. It was so healing, and it was. The yeah, just the release of it all was wonderful, and it was one of the best things I ever did. Were
0: you super surprised by people that you know who you had no idea were going through this too?
2: Yeah, so surprised, so surprised. And they were like, I know exactly what you've been going through, I've told no one, and like they they were like, Wow, you're so brave to talk about it, and I feel like I can't tell anyone, but now I feel like I can talk to you, so it was so. I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually helping other people. That now we can have this conversation where they felt like they they couldn't with anyone, and and it's just sh- people wish you know people like to get help and then people that you're know, giving advice and, and you're like oh, not in a false way just as they know, you know I know a great doctor or make sure that you get this test or things like that which yeah. was for me I was like oh gosh yeah I never thought about that I just was trusting whatever the doctor was telling me because I'm assuming well they've spent years and years studying this so they know better than anyone else but actually there is a lot of valuable information from patients from people who are personally going through it So, um, and I I never realized, I never knew the value of it until later on.
0: Did you also hear insensitive statements? I feel like people say insensitive things very well intended, right? Um, And I feel like around infertility and IVF and all of that, because it's not talked about much, a lot of people don't really understand it if they haven't gone through it. Mm. And I imagine people say things like, um, you know, uh, like the miscarriage thing, saying like, well, at least... At least it's not worse or like you know or or yeah. another one I've, I've heard people say is well why don't you just adopt like how do you reply to those
2: things that's the that's the big one you get that a lot you get that a lot especially when you start putting out in the public forum is it strange strangers will happily be like oh well, i've had like shocking comments so yeah why don't you just adopt um is is a big one we i mean to me i respond to that with you know what? One one day, if I'm lucky, that that is I'm totally open to that um, idea. And 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 yes, I, it would be w- a wonderful thing. And, and and you know maybe that that is the way that we are going to have our family, and we'll still have a family. But it's um, it's also a very grueling process, and can take can cost a lot, of, a lot, a lot of money. Yes, IVF costs a lot of money, but you need to you know you still need to save for adoption it's um there's a lot of things that can go wrong you know birth mothers can change their mind at the right you know of course they have to you have to give them that um choice and but if you've gone throughout that whole journey and you're ready to have your baby and then and then it's like no it's not happening you know that can happen at any stage at any stage um so yeah it's it's another tough thing to to and it's
0: not like you go to like
2: the baby store and pick out a baby, Yeah, right? I want that one. And yeah.
0: is there also... I'm just curious about this because I know that... Like, my sisters have always wanted kids. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they have also felt this, like... They really want to be pregnant mm-hmm. and to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And is that part of it, too? Like, you really...
2: Yeah, it, it, again, it's. I think it because I again you know this sort of when I was saying when I was younger, I was never really sort of the maternal. I didn't have this um, desire of breastfeeding and things like that. <laughs> and, and I know but, some women really do want that fit and really want to be you know have the bump and stuff. So that actually was wasn't the biggest pull for me. For me, it was like I want a family. I want us to have. I want us to have a family, and yes, maybe we're gonna to have to go through a different route. It was harder for my husband because, you know, for him, I think, you know, the sort of want having a baby that's genetically yours or, you know, looks like you and stuff. That was harder for him to let go of. It was really, he was a struggle. Um, but yeah, it's it's for me. I'm like, okay, well. You know, it's good. whatever way it happens, it might not be what we planned, but at least we'll get there in the end, yeah. somehow, some way. Yeah. You
0: you shared in your talk that one of the things you learned is that there are so many ways to become a mother. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. are you at with that feeling now, and where are you at in
2: your journey? Yeah. Um. It's def. Yeah. It's as as it's gone on over the years. Uh, you know it's i feel like because we've been so immersed in fertility treatment for such a long time that was we were holding on to that focus that hope that this will work eventually and only now we've got to the stage where we, we said we'd give it one more try which was earlier in the year and that wasn't successful we decided that we weren't going to we were almost going to like let go of it like l- release this obsession and release this desperateness to try and keep fighting for something that you know it wasn't really wasn't working and since then a it's been a huge like our relationship is better we're not stressing about this as much we've you know we're and it's allowed us to i feel like once you sort of stop that um when you stop obsessing about focusing on that it allows it allows you to be open to other ways of having a family so you're kind of like okay i'm gonna greet i'm gonna grieve that i'm gonna process that that's not happening where i've always had a glimmer of hope or oh, maybe if we try one more time we try one more time i heard a girl the other day she did it 10 times and it happened then those are the things that keep you going and keep you in that world so letting go of it um it's, it's shifted everything and now you know we are we're both talking about adoption we're not we're not in a, we're not we need to save some money um and we're not gonna rush into it right now i think we're gonna like try and focus on our relationship and and rebuilding all the cracks that have been formed and and focus on having some fun and enjoy each other and yeah that's our kind of that's our primary goal right now and you know it'd be amazing then maybe next year that we can start build up our stamina and kind of go okay let's go for this and you know bring bring on the ups and downs that are gonna come with that journey as well.
0: I love that you've decided to prioritize that fun and connection yeah because I think that's so important for all couples but especially when you've gone through something challenging like Mm. this Mm. you know because I feel like when you give yourselves that space and that that will and determination to be connected and to enjoy each other Mm. you'll end up so much stronger which doesn't make it like oh i'm so glad whatever happened or whatever but yeah. it's more like okay so this has been our journey mm. this has been hard mm. and we got through it together mm. and you mm. can get out or not out but into the next chapter in a stronger
2: place if if you choose that 100% and we i, I definitely was stages looking back and you know go being in the therapist's office and just being like how can this possibly get any how, we couldn't see how it would get better. We were, you know, not ha- just we were, we were not happy with ourselves. Therefore, we're not nice to each other. And it, it, it was there was times we just like, oh my gosh! And actually, will we be even great parents if it does happen? Because we're, at the moment, we're killing each other. <laughs> so we, um, yeah, I, I, and, and I, it's amazing the turnaround the, the that's happened with our relationship. We. Going from being just so miserable and and angry and bitter and not not nice to each other at times, you know, when it's sort of you when you're going through that, you just naturally take it out on the person who's closest to you. And and the sad thing is, we were both going through this together. We needed to support each other, but at times we just it was, we just couldn't. So it's also the only person you kind of lash out at
1: in a Yay. way. Yeah,
0: yeah, which we tend to do. You yeah. know, the person we're closest to sometimes. Yeah. we'll do that and. Do you think that there was like one particular thing or sort of I don't know a secret to to salvaging mm. that relationship and knowing that, you know, that you were going to work on it? Did you have a point where you guys decided like we're sticking together. We're going to work through this?
2: Yeah, we it was it was, you know, we had some very honest, painful conversations in, in therapy, thankfully, in that in that safe environment to be able to do that. And it was, you know, I think we both made, we made a commitment, a decision to just keep going, keep, you know, trying, try being kind to each other, just little steps and little steps on the way. And, you know, our therapist is so supportive and helpful and guiding and giving us those little tips that we could go away with and help work on the... You know, we would argue about nonsense, and it was all about the deeper pain, ultimately. And once we were conscious of that, rather than, oh, actually, we're just not in love with each other. As, you know, we knew we knew always we loved each other, but, at, you know, at times we felt like, well, our relationship is crumbling because we're just not happy together. And we get on each other's nerves, and it was like, no this is something deeper this is this is just a, a reflection of all the pain that you're going through and and yeah stepping outside of that and seeing for it for what it was helped a lot mm-hmm. um so yeah we we kind of were like okay you know we always have these little targets and goals and and yeah and now we now we're beyond the trying the fighting to have a baby it's um, we have now been able to be more kind, like loving to each other yeah. it, it's, it's it's amazing the, the the place we were in to the place we're in now that 's mm. really inspiring mm. for anybody I think there's another
0: thing that people tend to be silent about is like disconnecting their relationship, mm. which I get like talking about your relationship online would be weird or just out in public you yeah. know like without yeah, we want to be respectful of our partners, but then yeah. it also makes it more challenging, which is why therapy can be so helpful. Yeah,
2: that you're in it together. And I'm lucky, you know. Sean is very—he's really open as well. Like I'm more open, but he, you know, he's a very, very honest person. And you know, when people ask him about—he's he, like, yeah, he'll just—he'll tell them every, you know, tell them, tell them the way it is. He doesn't—he doesn't sugarcoat because i bet men don't talk about this not oh gosh no. probably even less no and after, you know i had guys coming to you know messaging me as well and and well you know partners who say that it's it's hard because their husbands don't have anyone to talk to and it's it's their manhood and of course there was times and even you know the things i was writing about you know i'm writing about his sperm, and it's like you know, it, it's this 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 huge connection to sperm and manhood, and it's like, well, therefore, if you can't get your wife pregnant, and it's like, God, that's so such bullshit. It's really sad, isn't it? Mm. That mm. that we tie up kind of our worth
0: as yeah, feminine or masculine, yeah. in like these specifics such yes. as
2: whether or not you can procreate. I know, yeah. I know, yeah. Yeah. I know, and it's it's like reminding ourselves that like I have a you know I think you focus on having a sometimes sometimes having a family is your purpose and it's like no no I have a purpose there are other great things I can do with my life and feel proud of so you know for me it's you know I get so much pride from my work I get pride from writing about you know the the, the baby I created was you know the creation I'm like I can create in other ways and put you know and nurture and
1: love
0: mm-hmm. and support and and a lot of that is a very kind of parental nurturing thing like yeah. we can be nurturers in so many ways yeah 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 what would you say to someone who's just beginning this journey like yeah just found out they're struggling
2: you know um i because I, I also help a lot of my friends who you know people new friends mm-hmm. i've made through this world and then they come to me and then they ask you know lots of questions. i I and I that's one that I'm just kind of like I love that I'm able to give you know you something like the experience I went through wasn't all for nothing, I can you know guide you in the right direction. So I would I always say, you know, first of all, get the right um test done. So you know, you might depending on what stage you're at, you might be at the stage where you've been trying for months and months and months, nothing's happening um you you don't really know where to turn speak you don't have to go with the first doctor you meet and assume that they're all the same they're not all the same so have a couple of i know it's the thing is this money is not so expensive but in the long run you will be happy that you find the right doctor so even two or three consultations there's a there's a website called resolve and it's the biggest infertility site they they can guide you um in I, I feel like they do they get they have a kind of um, a place where you can find doctors but also the thing that I got a huge benefit from was they have resolve local group meet like meetups oh that's awesome I bet that's so helpful oh it was so helpful and I actually was I, I really did not want to go I was like I don't want to go to this group of uh, this is so in my head, this group of women, everyone's going to be crying, it's going to be really miserable, everyone's going to be, sad. and I was like, th- why am I going to go along to this thing, you know, in my head I'm like this, you know, in the movies you imagine like AA meetings and everyone's like, ugh, so this is what I was building, up, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go and see what it's like, so yeah, I said I got it from, I found the local group through the Resolve website, went along, and it was again, this huge weight. I'm in a room full of gorgeous, lovely, wonderful people who all different scenarios, we're all going through the same thing though, we're all having this struggle, and you know, it could be be a place where you just sort of listen, or you can go, you can talk about your issues, you can get advice if you want, from other people going to similar doctors in your area, so that was a wealth of knowledge and support, and again, the feeling of I'm not the odd, odd one out in the room the all these women and guys you know we're all we're all, we're all doing the, we're all we're all on this together
0: Thank you again, Simone. Everybody, remember to check her out and Cam's work as well at bubblesandbumps.com. They blog all about infertility and really anything goes there. They also offer resources that they both really wanted in their own journeys and weren't able to find. They make it very accessible for people going through IVF. And they also have a very exciting new podcast starting up. It's called Behind Closed Legs, and they're talking about things people are embarrassed about it's already in the works i had the honor of being interviewed so an episode of the three of us chatting will be coming out fairly soon and you can definitely start downloading those podcasts wherever you listen probably starting november 1st now for a fabulous question from a listener named izzy who wrote this my husband and i tried to get pregnant for a few years with no luck then tried ivf and did end up having a baby She's now one and the light of our lives. But unfortunately, my husband and I almost never have sex anymore. It's slowed to a halt since IVF. I talked to him about it recently, and he said that what happens when couples have kids, this is normal, you know, which hurt to hear, but maybe he's right. Everything else is great, but I want us to have the sex life we used to have. Is that even possible? I'm not sure you can answer that, but I would love to hear any recommendations, Izzy. Izzy, thank you so much for asking this question. I know many people are going to benefit from us going over and discussing it. And here is what Dr. Megan had to say.
1: Izzy, Thanks so much for this question, and I know there are going to be so many uh, men and women listeners who are going to relate or certainly know somebody uh, in their life who will relate to your question, Uh, because it's unfortunately not uncommon that when people are trying to have a baby, it can take, uh, you know, often not months, it can take years, and even long before they may reach out to do any of the assisted reproductive technologies like IUI or IVF. Um, you know, this every month it's become sexy it loses its sexiness because it really becomes about procreation. And not only that, you know it's it's such an emotional roller coaster because every month that you know a woman gets her period, you know, for both of them it's really a sense of uh, you know, it, it didn't happen this month. and you know th- there's a bit of sadness in that, which again also isn't so sexy. And so um, I think it's important to recognize that uh, What makes sense about the fact that, you know, when sex with most couples that I work with, it turns out that they are only having sex when it's sort of that window. It's almost like she pees on the stick and it's like, okay, it's time. And again, that's a performance demand. You can't command yourself to be aroused any more than you can command yourself to be sleepy. And so uh, again, it's just sort of the stress and tension that um, sort of builds. And uh, and as I said, most couples aren't even having sex outside of those sort of fertility windows. And uh, they've almost forgotten that sex isn't about procreation. It's about it's really about giving and receiving pleasure you know when if you have a baby it's a bonus right it's a welcome bonus um but what gets lost is the focusing on pleasure and you know now you're telling me you have a one-year-old and so I certainly can remember in my own life what a huge transition that is uh because you know you're if you're like money you're sort of running on empty or you know some moms are working full-time and it can feel like you know running, uh, sort of with one foot on the gas and one on the brake. And what I can say is most couples are exhausted and they're barely having time to connect themselves, much less, um, sort of running the household and, you know, spending time, uh, especially with a one-year-old now, now, now they're walking, right? So, you know, it's baby proofing and you can't leave them alone for a second. So what I want to say is the foundation of arousal is, um, being rested and relaxed and that there really are conditions for sex and being sexy. And so, uh, you know, I'm not sure why your husband right now doesn't seem to be sort of distressed uh, by not having sex. I don't know if he sort of shut down his own libido because that's not uncommon. People shut down their own libido as a way of sort of coping for longer extended periods of sexless uh, times in their relationships. And so, you know, first of all, I think it's an opportunity for a question and the opportunity for that conversation and just to uh, explore, like, uh, remember when. And I really... uh, you know, look forward to reconnecting in this way. Um, and just sort of get a sense of why maybe he's not feeling uh, distressed or more interested in sex right now. But what I can tell you is on your side, it's about reintroducing sexy, right? Part of rekindling desire is getting in touch with your own inner sexy pilot, right? And Feeling sexy and wearing sexy clothes and buying new underwear and you know really up the flirty and in a sense seduction of your husband um, because I imagine he's going to respond to that sort of sexy energy um, and you know sort of your flirtation. But if all else isn't seeming to work, another resource I would point you to is the book called *Rekindling Desire* by uh, Barry McCarthy and Emily McCarthy. Um, Again, I think it's to normalize you guys are not alone. Many couples get into this rut and have lost connection with what is sexy and what is pleasurable uh, about sex. And so uh, I I love the fact that you're asking the question because you want to bring it back. You want to bring sexy back. And so... um, I 100% want to support you in that. I, I have a program, Rekindled Desire, on my own website, Great Life, Great Sex, uh, although that's really more targeted to women with lower libido. So uh, that's why I'm referring you to the book by Barry McCarthy. So start the conversation, up the sexy, and you know, as always, can't wait to hear how it goes.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. I loved what you had to say, especially about you can't command yourself to be aroused any more than you can command yourself to be sleepy. You know, and making sex and intimate time a priority, even if sex doesn't happen. You know, just carving out that space to say, we are going to make this this time about us. We are going to maybe do something sensual. Maybe it's a massage. Maybe it's, you know, whatever might lead to sex or or maybe it's putting sex on the calendar. Dr. Megan has said before, you know, scheduling sex can feel kind of boring. Right. Like, why isn't it spontaneous like the movies, which also isn't spontaneous, by the way, it's scripted. Um, But we look forward to vacations and we plan those, too. You know, So I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind. I, I loved her insight. For more from Dr. Megan, visit GreatLifeGreatSex.com. You can send either one of us or both of us questions or topics that you would like to hear explored on Girl Boner Radio. Reach out to us. Again, my website is AugustMcLaughlin.com. Just hit that contact tab, and I'm so happy to protect your privacy. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. If you haven't yet subscribed on iTunes, I hope you will. And leave us a simple review while you're there. Have a beautiful girl boner embracing week.